Hello and welcome into another episode of Lockdown Wolves. Today on the show, we continue the Wolves draft big board as we get closer and closer to pick 19. Another couple guards and wings that the Timberwolves could really consider moving up slightly or very well could fall to the Wolves at 19. We're going to break down three more players today. Welcome in. You are Locked On Wolves. You are Locked On Timberwolves. Your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Lockdown Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Happy hump day. Hopefully your week is going great. Today, more pl- or more draft talk uh, as we take a look at really kind of the mid um the mid lottery, the guys that are likely to go in the mid lottery or could even fall out of the lottery to where the Timberwolves will be picking at 19 players. The Wolves could even look at trading up for um, three really intriguing prospects to talk about today. First of all, thank you for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen each and every day. Of course, the show is free and available everywhere, including YouTube, as well as all of your favorite audio platforms from Apple to Google, Spotify to Odyssey. You can also follow on Twitter at Lockdown T Wolves and at B Beacon, and that's with two B's, two E's, C K E N. All right, um, so we're we're now into the guys that you're frequently going to see mocked, kind of end of the lottery. Some of these guys are still getting mocked in the top 10. Remember, the way I'm doing this is my Timberwolves big board. So if I was the Timberwolves, players that I would I would be I would want to draft at these positions. So there's some guys you're going to see mocked in the top 10 at various mock drafts I haven't talked about yet because I don't like the fit for Minnesota or I don't think the Wolves uh, would draft this player in this position. Um, and, and spoiler a little bit of a spoiler. I'm going to let some of these five, some of these centers slide a little bit. I know that the conventional wisdom is that the wolves need a big, or they need more size. They need front court help. They need physicality rebounding. That's true. But I think I've said this before on the show. Um, I don't think it's the most efficient use of a fir- use of a first round pick to pick someone who's only going to play, you know, 12, 14, 16 minutes a game at most when your very best player is Carl Anthony Towns and he's going to play at least 30, 32 minutes a game. And you're likely not going to play a first round center next to Carl Anthony Towns. Unless it's Chet Holmgren, some of these other players, there's too many good wings and guards on the board and you always need more wings and guards, right? If you pick a five, there's one role he can play and that's a backup role to Carl Anthony Towns. If you pick a wing, if you pick a combo guard, you could play them with Ant. You could play them with D'Angelo Russell. You could play them with Patrick Beverly. You can mix and match, um, and they can be more versatile defensively. Um, now, now, there's a couple really intriguing center prospects that I like and could work in today's NBA, but there's too many good wings in this draft. You know, if the draft is maybe a little thinner, this board would look a little differently for me. But you're going to see some centers that are tr- that are typically mocked ahead of some of the guys I've already talked about and guys I'm talking about today. Um, there's also some guards I just don't value as highly and we'll obviously still get to them. Uh, but today there's three players I want to discuss, uh, on my Timberwolves big board to this point, we are through, I've done 11 players so far and and I'll just kind of read through where I'm at real quick. My number one player is Jabari Smith Jr. Then Chet Holmgren, Paolo Bancaro, uh, and number four is Keegan Murray. Number five, Shaden Sharp. Jaden Ivey out of Purdue's six on my big board. Benedict Matherin is seven. AJ Griffin, eight. Jeremy Sohan is nine. Ochai Baji is 10 on my list and Malachi Branham. We closed the show with on Tuesday. He's number 11. Today, I want to talk about three more players. We'll start with Tari Eason out of LSU. He is a forward, really kind of a combo forward 
that is actually one of my favorite players in this draft. And don't be surprised if I put him a little higher on my next big board. He's traditionally mocked a little lower than 12. I mean, he's typically in kind of the 14 to 18 range. I don't think he's going to be on the board at 19, but it's not it's not completely out of the realm of possibilities. Here actually reminds me a little bit of some guys who who were late risers a couple of years ago. Um, there's some similarities to Patrick Williams, of course, of the Bulls. Uh, I, I mean, there and he was a late riser as well. I mean, people initially he was supposed to be there like at 18, and he ended up going somewhere around 10, I think, if I'm not mistaken, maybe nine or eight even that draft. Uh, but Tari Eason is a fantastic athlete. He's got great size. He's 6'8 with a 7'1 wingspan. He's amazing in transition. He's best in transition, actually. And that's exactly what the Wolves want, right? They're the fastest paced team in the league in terms of how they play, how many possessions they use. They want to get out and run. And you want to have Anthony Edwards or D'Angelo Russell or uh, Jordan McLaughlin at times pushing the pace in transition. You want Tari Eason running on your wing. Uh, You want him running the floor. He's also so good defensively, he can be a one-man fast break. He can generate those fast breaks himself by getting steals and getting out in the open floor. Similar to how, I mean, Jared Vanderbilt will do this once or twice a game, but he's a little more comfortable uh, with the ball in his hands in, in some instances than Jared Vanderbilt. I don't know that he's got that much of a better handle than Vando, but um, he could get out in transition with the ball or without the ball. He's a lob threat, a lob threat all the time. Um, the other thing I really like about him, and we haven't seen this about too many guys that aren't true centers in this draft, and, and I haven't really talked about any players that you can say this about. He's a really good offensive rebounder. Um, he's got really great second jump ability. He can get up off the floor a second time and get the ball, you know, get a, you know, miss a tip in, get the rebound again and put it back in, dunk it home, um, kick it back out if he needs to. He's just a really good instinctual offensive rebound. He's got the athleticism and size to be to be genuinely great on the offensive glass. And that's helpful for Minnesota. Now, Vando's a good offensive rebounder. Kat's a good offensive rebounder. But the more of those guys you have, the better. And the Wolves were really good offensive rebounding the ball early in the season. And that went away. It didn't go away. It it kind of lagged a little bit as the season went on. He's a really strong combination of length and lateral quickness. Uh, defensively, he should be able to guard multiple positions. He is physical, which is great. The Wolves need that physicality. Um, he draws fouls on offense and he commits fouls on defense a little bit. That's just kind of, I mean, that, that to me is one of the drawbacks, but that's something that a lot of rookies struggle with. He also was miscast a little bit, not miscast, but, uh, playing in, in college, he was asked to do some more things. He was asked to play as more of a big with the wolves. I think he'd be a switchable perimeter defender. I mean, think of him as almost a bigger version in some ways. Well, he's not that much bigger. He's thicker, certainly stronger, bigger frame as Jade McDaniels. I don't know that he'll be that good from day one defensively, but he's definitely switchable. He's definitely versatile defensively. And again, a strong combination of lateral quickness and length. And I really like that about him. Offensively, the only reason he's not higher is he's just a little bit limited at this point. Um, he doesn't put the ball on the floor and score. He doesn't create for others, but that's okay. Um, he's he's dynamic in transition. He's dynamic as a lob threat. And his shooting percentage is okay. 37% from three, you'll take that. He's got a slow release and he doesn't shoot the ball off the dribble. But if he's if he at the NBA level can be in that neighborhood off the catch, if he could be 36, 37, 38, maybe percent from three and catch and shoot in the NBA, then that's great. He's he's really kind of a perfect fit for Minnesota. Um, and if, I, if I'm going to put it simply, that's what I would say. I'd say he's pretty much a perfect fit. His ceiling is probably is a really good starter. Maybe think like a Jeremy Grant, like a ceiling again is maybe like borderline all-star certainly wouldn't be there year one. Maybe he's the third star in a really good team. Um, 
but his floor is also very high because at the very least, he should be a Vanderbilt-esque player where he's uh, very good and versatile defensively, good on the glass, a terror in the open floor. He's already obviously a better shooter than Jared Vanderbilt. And, and I just mean that that's what his floor is. So if the shooting doesn't come along, he's still going to be average-ish from three, right? He's still going to be 33, 34%. But if that three-point percentage ticks upwards a little bit, you don't need him to put the ball on the floor and score. You just need him to be a third or fourth option and continue to be strong defensively. So I love the fit of Tari Eason. He's another one of those guys that I would flag as, hey, if he's there at like, I don't know, 11, 12, 13, 14, and the Wolves have assets or have teams that are like, hey, we would take you know Malik Beasley and your 19th pick and maybe a future pick and we'll give you a future pick and we'll also give you, you know, this selection. So you could take an Abaji who, like I talked about on Tuesday or Atari Eason. These are both guys that I would consider trading an existing player on the roster to move up and get, because there's, I think the floor is very high for both Abaji and Eason. And they're going to be in this 10 to 14 range. Most likely if the wolves could give up an asset to get those guys, you're talking high floor, a reasonably high ceiling, plug and play, uh, strong defenders, Strong catch and shoot guys. Um, in Eason's case, maybe not strong, but a solid catch and shoot guy. Um, both players I would certainly look at trading up for if, if I'm the Wolves. And not drastically. You don't need to get probably into the top 10. You just need to be into the 10 to 14 range. And I would give up an asset to do that. I, I would. Um, I think that given like, you know, Beasley's fit on the roster, I've talked about this before and, and um, I don't want to go off into that tangent necessarily, but Beasley could be a, a trade asset on draft night to try and move around in this draft. And it's a deep enough and strong enough draft. There's some good high floor prospects that would fit the Wolves very perfectly. And I think Tari Eason's one of those guys. All right. I want to talk a couple more combo guards, guys who really could project as lead guards at the NBA level next. And do they fit with Minnesota and why they're actually lower on my board than they are in a lot of other places? You're probably wondering why I haven't talked about a couple of these guys. So we're going to get to them here next. But first, let's talk about our friends over at Prize Picks. NBA fans, are you looking for a daily fantasy option for the NBA? Then you must try the award-winning app, Prize Picks. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. I love the app, and I know you will too. It's really easy to use. You just pick two to five players on any given night and an over-under in their projection projections, and you can win up to 10 times in any entry. And it's just you versus the projected numbers. You're not playing against professional DFS player or anything like that. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's really that easy. They offer safe and fast withdrawals, and you can grab the app on both the App Store and Google Play. They offer a variety of options. They offer any prop you could think of, from points scored to rebounds, even steals. You can also do mixed sport entries. So, like, for instance, if you're a if you're a baseball fan, obviously I'm a Twins fan. If you want to pick here in the final, Steph Curry three-pointers made over and Byron Buxton home runs over or Joe Ryan runs allowed under, whatever that is, you can mix sports on the same night when you play DFS with prize picks. Prize picks doesn't just offer NBA, obviously. I mentioned MLB, but during football season, you can do college football, NFL. There's also soccer, college basketball, MMA, and more. For limited time, Prize Picks is an exclusive no-brainer of an offer for all of our listeners. Listeners get $50 for free if a player in your first Prize Picks entry scores a single point, but you must use the code NBA. That's right. This is an exclusive offer available to Locked On fans only. Sign up today. Use code NBA for $50 for free if a player in your first Prize Picks entry scores a single point. The Ultimate NBA Mock Draft starts June 16th with over 50 insiders. Nothing equals the Ultimate NBA Mock Draft here at Lockdown. The Lockdown NBA Big Board Draft experts will be there, plus the Odyssey insiders. First pick is June 16th. 
It's coming up. That's tomorrow, Thursday. We'll start this draft. You can search Ultimate NBA Mock Draft and follow now so you don't miss a pick. I'll, of course, make my pick for the Timberwolves at 19. I'll give a little teaser. It's a player I've actually already talked about that fell all the way to 19 and a lot of times is not mocked that late. Uh, but with our lockdown experts, uh, there is a player that I'm very excited about that slid to 19. So that'll be coming out here soon and and uh, keep an ear to the ground to, to find that. All right. Um, let's talk about the next player on my big board. This is number 13 and that's Dyson Daniels. He is the guard kind of a, he's really more of a point guard, but I mean, technically a combo guard out of the G league ignite. Um, he's big six, seven, the wingspan's only six, seven. So not as long as you'd like it to be necessarily, but he's a really interesting prospect. He's often mocked in the top 10. I don't like him as much as a lot of, uh, you know, national folks do, or as much as like a standard big board would like him. And I'll get to why in just a second, but let's talk about the things that are really good. Number one, he's six, seven, and he's a facilitator. So he can survey the floor. Well, he's got next level passing ability. I don't know that it's like, you know, we're not talking necessarily LaMelo Ball, Ricky Rubio, that sort of a draft prospect. You're like, ah, generational passing talent, but he's really good. I mean, he could step in and be one of the better passers from the point guard position pretty much right away. Um, High basketball IQ, uh, and and that also would allow him to play with D'Angelo Russell. In fact, I I actually think if the Wolves don't trade D'Lo, Dyson Daniels fits okay with him. I think he could, um, because he doesn't create his own shot very much, um, I think that I think it could work with D'Angelo Russell. Um, so he's, you know, and I'll get to why on that part here in a second. But the the strong the strong basketball IQ also is obvious on offense. Um, he's a or excuse me on defense. He's a fantastic defender. Really active hands. Gets into passing lanes again. Six foot seven. Even though the wingspan's only six seven, it's enough to to disrupt, especially with smaller guards. He's physical enough. Uh, defensively as well. Uh, He really could be a lockdown defender from day one. And because he's 6'7", he's a switchable, versatile defender. He can guard one through three pretty much immediately at the NBA level. He's big enough. He's strong enough. He's active enough with his hands, long enough arms, high basketball IQ. And that's appealing. I mean, think about how good Patrick Beverly is defensively. You know, add six inches to Patrick Beverly. Obviously, there's a lot in terms of... uh, uh, experience and basketball IQ and things. I'm not saying at all, this the Dyson Daniels is going to be Pat Bev. I'm just saying that level of tenacity defensively, add the size to it. Um, and adding somebody like that again, next to D'Angelo Russell, like for instance, if, if the Wolves are going to extend D'Lo and maybe it's not at the max, this is pretty unlikely, but if they could extend him at something less than the max, you know, Pat Bev's gone after a year because he's got the one year deal. Dyson Daniels could step into a Pat Bev type role and play alongside D'Angelo Russell and be similar in some regard. He's not as good of a shooter from the perimeter. We'll talk about that too, but he's really good defensively. And that to me is the appeal. Uh, if he were to be with the Wolves. Now, the shot is not good. The shot mechanics are not good. Um, he probably made it more than you'd expect. The, the shot is just not an attractive jump shot at all. But he's got really good touch from everywhere else. I mean, in the paint, uh, at the basket, he can get his... He's he's long, right? Because he's he's basically 6'7 with a 6'7 wingspan. He can get his shot off wherever he wants. There's some similarities to slow to Kyle Anderson, of course, of the Grizzlies, in that he just kind of like is long and lanky, can get to the rim, can get his shot off from different angles and spin it off the glass and scoop shots and all this stuff. And it works. And it worked at the G League. And there's, you know, NBA caliber athletes in the G League. Certainly not, you know, there's a reason the players are in the G League, but the the players in the G League are athletic. And they they generally 
um, you know, or hunting block shots and things like that. And he was able to get his shot off, uh, despite, a, you know, those guys generally are more experienced than him, than, than, uh, than uh, Dyson Daniels was playing in the G League last year. So there's something to be said for getting his shot off from everywhere and for having great touch in the paint. But he's also a 53% free throw shooter, which is worrisome. So in my mind, there's actually a lot of similarities to uh, to a smaller Ben Simmons, right? He's 6'7", Ben Simmons is bigger than that. But I think his ceiling is if he is he could have a Ben Simmons-like impact. He's not as big. There's absolutely no jumper. But if he's the real deal defensively, that's what I see him as, is is more of a, a combo guard version of Ben Simmons. Uh, you're not going to like stick him in the post like you could do with Ben Simmons. You're not going to play him in the in the dunker spot. He's a good enough passer. You want the ball in his hands. Um, my, my concern is obviously the lack of a jumper, the bad free throw shooting is not great because it suggests that that the touch isn't there beyond floaters and layups and things of that nature, right? If you get outside of six, eight feet, where does the touch go, right? Also, he's not a fantastic athlete. I don't think he's as athletic as Ben Simmons. Um, and as much as his game relies on drawing contact and scoring in the paint and spinning the ball off the backboard, I have a little bit of concern with how that's going to play at the NBA level. I mentioned, you know, he did it in the G League. But as defenses gear up to be able to stop him, if he's more of an off-ball player at times, if you're playing with D'Angelo Russell, that would be the one concern. Or if you're playing with Anthony Edwards, there's chunks of the game where you're just going to be off the ball. D'Lo's a fit because he can knock down open threes. It's the same reason Patrick Beverly works because he can knock down open threes. Jordan McLaughlin wasn't great from outside the arc this year, but for his career, he's a decent three-point shooter and fit for that reason. Dyson Daniels is not to that point. So the fit with Minnesota is not perfect. And that's why I have him at 13. He's likely going to go in the top 10. If you look at most mock drafts, that's where they have him. I just don't think the fit's great with Minnesota. But if you love Ben Simmons and you think there's some upside here offensively, if you think he can learn a jumper, there's a reason he's likely going to go top 10. Um, it'll just take a minute. So if you're not going to trade D'Angelo Russell, maybe you look at drafting Dyson Daniels. But again, I don't think he falls to 19. Not a player I'd go up and get if I'm the Wolves. That's why he's kind of in no man's land for me, where if if somehow he slid all the way to 19, like you could talk yourself into the upside there, certainly. But I don't think he's a great fit for the Timberwolves. Okay. Let's end the show with player number 14 on my big board. First, let's talk about our friends over at BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting stats and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, news, and odds, including this year's NBA Finals, which, of course, now we're into Game 6 later this week, the NHL Hockey Conference Finals, which are wrapping up as well as we get ready for the Stanley Cup Finals, MLB, and, of course, all the latest fighting news from MMA and UFC to boxing. Uh, game what, game six coming up now, going back to Boston for Warriors-Celtics. I love live betting the finals. That's that's the way I go. Uh, I think there's just a ton of fun, momentum swings, predicting that stuff. Um, so be sure to check out live betting. In addition to live betting, BetOnline is your continued source for all sport waging information, including esports, as well as live betting and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, number 14 on my big board on the Lockdown Wolves big board is Johnny Davis out of Wisconsin, another player you'll often see mocked in the top 10 from around uh, the various mock drafts. He is a 6'5 guard, billed more as a combo guard, but I think he's going to have to be on the ball a little bit to be a really good NBA player. He's got a 6'8 wingspan, which is really attractive. 6'5 with a 6'8 wingspan. If you're going to play him at point guard, uh, that's that's NBA size, right? That's, that's better than the average NBA point guard. 
Um, and that to me is one of the biggest appeals for him. He's an extremely impressive defender, long and physical, strong technique. I think he's more consistent, even if he's less impressive than Dyson Daniels, for instance, who we just talked about. Um, I, he like the biggest appeal for Johnny Davis is the combination of strong defense and a well-rounded offensive game. Um, and you could look at several more traditional point guards at the NBA level, not current necessarily. Well, there's some, um, like currently you're looking at guys that are just solid point guards and there's a little bit less of that. And, and when you see it now, it's guys who can also knock down threes. And we'll talk about that in a second. I think he's an underrated shooter, but offensively he uses his size and, and actually a surprising burst. He's not a fantastic athlete, but if you watch Johnny Davis at Wisconsin, there were times where, you know, I, I started thinking, ah, he's more like a Jordan McLaughlin, just kind of a, a, a solid guy that can run the offense. But then he'd have this burst and get to the rim, use his length. He's obviously much bigger than McLaughlin, almost a half foot taller. Um, but he has enough of a burst, both off the dribble. He's got a quick first step, but it's almost like he's got a, a crafty, like the quick first, quick enough first step to get past some guys. But a crafty last step um, and the ability, like I mentioned with uh, with Daniels, the ability to kind of spin the ball off the glass um, and and be creative at the basket. He's also unstoppable from the mid-range. Unstoppable is maybe strong. Nearly unstoppable from the mid-range. He, he's lights out from the elbows, and he's a good enough passer to keep teams honest. So I think he's an intriguing pick-and-roll guy. The problem is that off the dribble, he only shot 30% from beyond the arc. So teams are going to go under the screen against him, and until he can prove that he can knock down threes off the dribble and not at the college three-point line, at the NBA three-point line, that's going to be an issue for him. However, if he can get downhill, he's going to get his shot off from the mid-range. I mean, he's a little bit bigger than D'Angelo Russell, and I would say he's a comparable mid-range shooter as D'Angelo Russell. Um, and that, if he fit in with the Timberwolves, could keep teams honest. The problem, the difference, of course, is that D'Lo can pull from three, has limitless range, not at a super high percentage, but can knock down from 30 feet at a reasonable clip where teams have to respect it. Johnny Davis hasn't shown the ability to do that off the dribble. However... He he was pretty good in catch-and-shoot situations. He was really good, actually. Overall, 33% for three. But if you break that down further, I mentioned he was 30% off the dribble, 38% in catch-and-shoot opportunities. Very limited catch-and-shoot because he mostly ran the offense at Wisconsin. But his mechanics are good. He's really good in the mid-range and a very good catch-and-shoot guy. So that suggests that that could continue to develop. And if a team says, look, we see him as a lead guard down the road— but maybe we use him off the ball a little bit. It'd be a luxury to use him off the ball and use him more as a catch-and-shoot guy, a secondary playmaker who can catch, make a decision to either shoot or attack. There could be a role for him, and he could fit an offense like the Timberwolves. Now, one of his issues at Wisconsin was he was a ball stopper. If he did get the ball in a rotation, he didn't make a quick decision. If he had the ball in his hands, he was looking to score. He was an extremely high-usage player for the Badgers, and he's not going to be that right away in the NBA, most likely, unless he goes, I guess if he goes top 10 and he goes to a team that needs that, he could be. But without the length, or without the 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 uh, the range, I should say, to shoot from anywhere beyond the arc, and without extremely strong athleticism, I think he could have some issues being a high-usage player at the NBA level. If he accepted a lower-usage role, say he slid all the way to 19, there could be a fit with Minnesota. I think that the 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 defense, the ability for mid-range and the ability to be crafty in the paint actually does remind me of a supersized, super version of Jordan McLaughlin. He's 6'5", McLaughlin's under six feet. He's got the 6'8 wingspan. Um, but J-Mac is like a 36% career three-point shooter at the NBA level. Johnny Davis was 33% in college. Um, and I also don't know that he's quite as good of a passer as Jordan McLaughlin. He's a good passer, uh, but again, 
was even though he had the ball in his hands so much, he wasn't a, a great, like overwhelmingly uh, impactful facilitator for the Badgers. He was much more of a, I'm going to get my buckets and, you know, would, would make impressive passes from time to time. And, and you watch Wisconsin games and he did do that. Teams were loading up on him. But he, again, a high usage guy at a, at a Big Ten program. How is he going to fit in at the NBA level without a fantastic jumper, especially off the dribble? So for me, I think there's really a, a strong floor here. I think he could be a solid backup point guard, like a better version of Jordan McLaughlin. I mean, think of other good point. Maybe, you know, I, I there's some similarities to Tyus Jones, obviously bigger than Tyus Jones, too. Um I don't think he's quite as good of a pick and roll passer as Tyus was coming into the league, but he's bigger than Tyus. The catch and shoot ability, the mid range scoring ability, that's all the same. Tyus couldn't shoot threes when he came to the league and and has vastly improved now over the past couple of seasons, obviously. So there's some similarities there. Now Tyus Jones slid to like, what was he, like 22, 24 in the first round? Johnny Davis, because of the size, is gonna go earlier, but there's some similarities with how they play. I do think that's his floor, though. I think his floor is a solid, a strong backup point guard. But again, the fit with Minnesota is, is if he's the backup point guard with the Timberwolves, is he going to think he's got to go out there and get buckets when you've got, um, you know, Anthony Edwards, Carl Anthony Towns, currently Malik Beasley, uh, even Jade McDaniels, guys that should have the ball in their hands more frequently. What's that fit look like? So I don't love that fit with Minnesota unless you can convince him to take a backseat offensively early on and he can continue the catch and shoot ability that he showed at Wisconsin and just continue to improve off the bounce. He's probably going to go top 10, certainly top 12, not a player I'd trade up for again for the Wolves. Um, so, you know, if he happens to fall, I think there's some intrigue there because he could fit with with what Chris Finch wants to do. And, and he certainly has some improvement and some room to grow offensively as well. All right, that's all we have for you today here on the show. We are getting very close. Next show, we'll have 15, 16, 17, and then we'll be right in the range of guys that very likely will fall or could be on the board, I should say, at 19 for the Wolves. We're only a week away now, a week from tomorrow for the NBA draft. So, it's coming up quick. Uh, thank you once again for listening to Locked and Wolves, for making us your first listen each and every day. A reminder, you can listen anywhere. Uh, of course, you can watch on YouTube. You can also listen on Apple, Google, Spotify, or Odyssey, or anywhere else. You can also follow on Twitter at Lockdown T-Wolves and at B-Beacon with two B's, two E's, C-K-E-N. Of course, Lockdown Wolves is part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Remember, the Lockdown Network is your local experts on all the biggest stories, and again, thank you for making us your first listen. A reminder, you can make the Lockdown NBA Big Board Show your second listen. Host Raphael Barlow from NBA Draft Junkies and the author of the NBA Big Board Newsletter is joined by Richard Stamen, Sam Ferris, and Leif Thulin, giving fans an in-depth look into the NBA Draft, mock drafts, player rankings, and of course, big boards. It's free and available wherever you listen to podcasts. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Lockdown Wolves Podcast, and we'll catch you next time.